Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Happy 2024, everyone. It's good to see you. Um, a Sunday school teacher asked children to draw Christmas pictures. She goes over to one student and sees he's drawn a picture of four people on an airplane. She says, what is this? Oh, it's Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus on a flight to Egypt, said the school kid. (laughs) Well, who's the fourth person, she asked. Oh, that's Pontius, the pilot. I miss being with you guys. And we're glad that you chose to start your year off really well with us. Um, we, um, we do a 21 day of prayer and fasting every single year. And so we believe that prayer is our priority at Pinewood. And we believe it's a, it's a big deal. It's not something that we do as a reaction. We are proactive about our prayer life. We pray specifically so we can pray specifically. We believe a great deal about prayer. When I came to Christ in circa 2000, you know, it was Y2K. People didn't know if we were going to make it, you know, if, if there was going to be anything left after the millennium, you know? And so I came probably as a byproduct of not thinking that we were going to live past 2000. I'm joking, obviously. God grabbed my heart and did a lot of wonderful things, continues to do a lot of wonderful things in my life. But one of the questions that I had as an early believer was, how do you pray? Is anybody been there? Like, how how do you pray? And you're in good company because in Luke 11, the disciples asked the exact same question. What's really cool about Luke 11 is they, they see Jesus go off. It says he went off to a certain place. And when he came back, the disciples asked Jesus, uh, how, how, do we, how do we pray? What's fascinating about this is that, just so you know, the disciples had spent a year with Jesus. From a proximity perspective, they, they are literally the closest people to him. They've seen him pray every single day. And after a year of being with him, they ask, Lord, how do we, how do we pray? And Jesus didn't respond and say, you silly geese, you should know by now. No, he said this, let's pray in this way. Let's pray like this. And he gives us a, a pattern I asked, I texted quite a bit of you in the last week about your prayer life. And I asked, hey, how would you define prayer in one sentence? And one answer came up over and over again. I got a lot of profound answers that I'm still like, dude, kind of wrecking my theology. And so really blessed by that. But the vast majority of people gave this answer. And I don't think it's a bad answer. You've probably heard it too. Prayer is a conversation with God. Anybody else heard that? Yeah. Seen a lot of head nods. Five people. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> prayer is a conversation with God. The, the problem is, although that's true and foundational, prayer is just a conversation with God, it's predicated on a few other things. It's predicated on a, on a few other truths. A, um, that you know how to be a good conversationalist, like a good conversationalist. B, that you know who you're talking to. And C, you know what that person thinks about you. 
And I don't think that we are. I don't think that we are good conversationalists. And I don't say that, I say that personally in my life, like I, I desire to be a better conversationalist. I desire to have more rich, full conversations with my Lord and Savior. That's my heart. And I do ask that. I've asked that to many of you this week. Do you desire that? And everybody says, yeah. By a show of hands, who thinks they're like crushing their prayer life? Like it is on fleek, as the youth would say. Maybe they don't say that. Do I say that anymore? Probably not. No, they say bussing. Is your prayer life bussing? By a show of hands, your prayer life bussing. No, I don't, I don't see any hands. And so it's good to know that pride's not the thing we're talking about today. I think everybody would say, I want to be known as a more prayerful person, that I want to have rich conversations with my Lord, with Jesus. And I think, no, I don't even think, I, I believe that the reason that Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer is that he wanted to give us a cheat code. Give us a self-diagnosis tool. I'm a coach by, by, by trade and tent making. I'm also creative, but I love coaching. And God in this season has allowed me to do both, and I just, I love it. I love it so much. I love hearing about somebody's goals and saying, cool, let's self-diagnose. Let's figure out how we get you to that goal and figure out deficiencies and blockers and all those things. If you've worked out with me, I've used tools to help figure out what's going on with your body. One of those tools is called a functional movement screen. It's called an overhead squat. You know, if you come and work out with me, I'll typically have you do an overhead squat. And if I see you do an overhead squat and you can't do this, or your chest falls, or your knees pop, or you can't go deep, um, we can fix that. There's things that we can do to fix what we do. It's a self-diagnosis tool. I think Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, he didn't give us it as something just to say, you can. He gave it to us as a pattern, like a tool. He gave us a cheat code. Up, up, down, down, left, right, A, B, start for, for most people. Wow, that's a lot of laughs. I did not think that was going to land, my goodness. That's amazing. A lot of gamers in the room. He gave us a cheat code. He said, look at this prayer as a way and a means to diagnose how your conversations are. I'm going to give you this, disciples, I'm going to give you this prayer so that you know how to talk to my dad. That's why you have it. It's not so you just say it. You can and on the days where I don't know what to say and the Holy Spirit groans for me, I'll just read it. And I'll just read each line. And on other days, I'll, I'll get to a line and I'll, I'll spend the entire time there because like, I can't get past you as a provider. I, I can't get past you as a father. I can't get past you as holy. And so today, I want us to be centered on this one idea, how to be a better conversationalist. Anybody want to be a better conversationalist? If prayer is a conversation with God, I want to be a good conversationalist. I want to be a masterful conversationalist. I want people to leave conversations with me and know that I was exactly who I wanted to be and show up well in those conversations. And even more so with the savior of the universe. So we'll talk about, let's talk about it. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn you to Matthew 6 and Matthew, or Luke 11 if you're feeling dangerous. Um, we're going to go back and forth between both. Um, here's a sobering statistic. According to a survey by the Pew Research Center, um, that, that um, adults, for fewer than half U.S. say they say, fewer than half of U.S. adults pray daily. And this number has fallen precipitously in the last 15 years. 
from 58% to 45% in 2021. That only 2% of poll respondents are very satisfied with their prayer life. 2%. Only 2% of practicing Christians are happy with their prayer life. That's alarming, right? That's like, that's, that's a big deal. Surely this has a great deal to do with our lack of understanding about the nature of prayer. Another Barna study showed that 20% believe God carries out his will apart from prayer. 14% don't know if or how he responds to prayer. That means that over a third of people don't think that prayer does anything. Oof. It immediately got me thinking, who's familiar with Paul Grice's work? He's He's a psychologist, and he died back in the 80s. Um, he wasn't a believer, but I'm going to com- commandeer his, his thinking for kingdom purposes. He came up with what's called the cooperative principle. The cooperative principle is made up of four maxims or rules. You can consider them as four rules for good conversation. They are as follows. The rule of quality, the rule of quantity, the rule of relation, and the rule of manner. Those are four things that make up a good conversation. I love that he called it the cooperative principle because it's exactly what God intended for prayer to be. I'm stealing the exact words from our friend Kate Wawa. She said, prayer is uh, co-laboring. Prayer is co-laboring with God. It is our way of getting into the game. God gave us the dignity of being causes by way of prayer. The vehicle is prayer. How we do the things that he wants us to do is by doing prayer, by having a conversation with him. Having good conversation is cooperating with God. The cooperative principle says, hey, you got to consider a few things to have a good conversation. So let's talk about those things. Real quick, before I, before I go on, I had, I had a wonderful thought. Here, here's, here's what's really great about Matthew 6 and, and, and Luke 11. Jesus is the only person in history that could have had a God complex. <laughs> like he could have, like he could have, he could have actively had a God complex. He could have been the person who says, you know what? I'm God. I don't really need to talk to God. I don't really need to. And he still had a practice of doing it. He still did it so much and did it so much so with so much intention and so much power and so much further and so much faith that his disciples said, Oh, man, I got to get in on that. Could you, could you help? Could you teach me? And this is what the Lord's Prayer is. Quantity, quality, relation, relevance. I want better prayer in my life. And so let's talk about why we don't pray. I'm going to give you four reasons why we don't pray. And I think they're directly correlated with the, with the four rules and the four principles of good conversation. Number one, we don't pray because we don't make space. We don't pray because we don't make space. Good conversations hold space. He says this in verse six, when you pray, go into your room in private. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees you in secret will reward you. He says later, give us each day, each day. Everybody say each day. Each day insinuates that it's an everyday thing, like it's an always thing. Paul later goes on to say, pray without ceasing. Ceasing. He says, pray without ceasing. Like, what is it? What does that mean? How do we do that all the time? 
It really has blown my mind recently. But then I consider that I have relationships like this. I have active, ongoing, consistent conversations with many of you in this room. I'll use my wife as an example. At any given moment, I have many memes that I send to my wife. I have a text message thread. We have a Slack channel to talk about our business. She humors me in my FaceTimes. She'll send me voice memos. We'll go on dates. We'll have three to four hours of uninterrupted, no distracted, not distracted, intentional time. We talk about it in our marriage and parenting series every single year. We talk about how we need to dialogue daily. We need to depart, sorry, date weekly and depart quarterly. And so why is it, why is it that we can do it with our relationships, like our, our, our dating relationships, our marriages, but it's so hard to think about those constructs in the, in the context of God? Like, I was talking with a very good friend and he gave me this wonderful analogy. He's like, when you're in a meeting and like something crazy is happening in a meeting, you know, like this is just bonkers. And you text your bestie and say, you won't believe what is happening today. I gotta tell you, God loves that. God loves when we make space and we bring him into our spaces constantly. It's not just about the intentional prayer closet. That's important, that's foundational. If you're gonna do one thing, it's that. It's that you actually have dates with God where it's just him and you in a secret place where nobody's gonna see you because that will affect your public place. If your time with God is mainly here on Sundays, you're gonna be left wanting. You're gonna be left wanting more because he's available all the time. I think like, like it's so funny, like, how often I send Kayla text messages. Like if you look at our text message, like look at, look at like your favorite person, like look at your best friend or your spouse or whatever, you, hopefully you're talking to them the most. I'm talking to her like at all times about a lot of different stuff. Like almost like so many threads that it's almost overwhelming, but it's not. Like we have like these streams of consciousness that are happening in our marriage where I'm constantly talking to her. Same thing with God. God loves that. God's like, okay, cool. Sweet, tell me what else is happening. I know. Here's the other thing about God. So first thing, we, we, don't, we don't talk to God because we, we don't hold space. We don't, we don't hold space. Second thing is we don't know what to pray. Second thing is the maximum of quality. We don't know how to make quality happen. But here's, here's the thing about God. We're not like bringing information to him. <laughs> We're not like, hey, I didn't know if you knew but this is happening to me. So I just wanted you to be informed. None of our prayer is informational. Not a one. He is super familiar. He is intimately aware of what is happening to you and for you and in you, in your relationships. He knows it all. So if he knows, like it says in verse seven, when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Okay, so what I hear is going, when people read that, they say, well, if, if He already knows, why should I go to Him? If He already knows, like, what's the functional purpose of me bringing it to Him? 
What's the functional purpose of why we bring, bring it to him? Because he wants to know that you trust him. He wants to know you trust him. Trust is honesty. Have you ever had a relationship where you know something's happening? Like you know something's happening in that person's life and you ask them how they are. And they say, the word every husband loves to hear, I'm fine. I'm not fine. Kayla gave me permission to tell this story, okay? <laughs> but I talk to her and I say, hey, how's it going? I can visibly see physical turmoil, emotional turmoil, turbulence in any number of other ways. And she goes, oh, I'm fine. It's a lie. I know her better than any other human on the planet. So what, what, what does that feel like? It feels very bad to know your person and to know that there's something going on and they don't tell you what's actually happening. It happens with friendships. You've done it too. A friend has asked you what's going on in your life and you say, oh, I'm good. That's a bad conversation too. We've all had those bad conversations where it's like, you know, you know like what needs to be talked about. Like you even have like somebody who like wants to go to coffee and like they, they teach you up out of nowhere and you're like, hey, can we like go and talk? Like, yeah, of course, let's, let's do it. Cool, and they spend like the first 20 minutes talking about other stuff that you know they don't care about at all. And in my heart, I'm going, man, like I really just wish this person would just tell me what's going on. That's what God is communicating here. Quality conversation, quality prayer with God is actually talking about the things that he wants you to talk about because he knows. You're not giving new information to him. He knows exactly what you need to be talking about right now. He's hoping. He's hoping that you bring exactly that thing to him. Quality conversations are honest. I've recently become fascinated. I'm like two years behind. Has anybody read The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse? It's so, thank you, Keith. <laughs> One person, great. It's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful movie. It's 38 minutes. And I cry through the entire time because I was a baby. I love it so much. And in, one of the, in one of the parts, the boy's talking to the horse and the mole, and he goes, why is the fox, why does the fox not say much? And the horse stops walking, and he looks and turns at the boy, and he says, sorry. The fox turns to the boy and says, to be honest, I don't talk that much because I don't think I have a interesting, anything inter interesting to say. I don't talk that much because I don't have things that are interesting to say. And the horse stops and looks at the fox and says, honesty is always interesting. Hoof, um, I hope that affects you like it affects me. Honesty is always interesting. So if you think, man, I'm trying to impress God by being interesting, the single core component of being interesting and having quality conversations with God is to just be honest. To just say the thing that he knows that you want to talk about. It's not the platitudes. It's not the things that you say over and over again. We all have them. I say them. I say, God, forgive me when I make it about me. I almost every single prayer, I, I say that. And those things are fine. I think those things are good to cover your bases, to come back and say, I, I do, I, I want to believe this, I want to say this. But what God wants is you to not to babble. He wants you to talk about the things and get to the point. Get to the point. 
So point number one, what makes a good conversation? It's holding space. Why we don't have prayer, why we don't pray, is we don't make space. I would encourage you to make a space. For me, it's my garage. I have a whole bunch of gym equipment in there, and oftentimes I'll be listening to worship music and listening to Streetlights Bible, because they're like rapping scripture at me while I'm like picking up heavy objects and throwing it down. And I find myself falling on my knees when I hear something and spend time with God in that room. That is my space. That is my sanctuary. If you do not have a space that you can think of and go, oh man, when I'm here, I can't help but feel him. You need to make that space. You must make a space. But also, you must have a posture of the constant conversation. And in that posture of constant conversation and praying without ceasing, you must talk about the things that he actually wants you to talk about. This is a means, not an end. Prayer is a means. And the goal is God. The goal is not that we get our request. The goal is that at the time of each prayer, I get to more, know more of his character, more of who he is, more of him speaking in my life. It's not only a what we do as Christians. Firemen fight fires. Police fight crime. Batman does too. <laughs> Christians pray. That is our operative objective. When God told us the greatest command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, the core vehicle at which that happens is prayer. Is prayer. In prayer, you should seek to know God and know yourself via him. In point three, we don't pray because we don't know who we're talking to. We don't pray because we don't know who we're talking to. This is the principle of relation in Paul Grice's terms. Good conversation happens when the parties know each other. Imagine prayer is so intimate. Prayer is like the most intimate conversation that you could possibly have. Imagine you're writing a love letter. And imagine you don't know who you're writing that love letter to. And that love letter starts with the words, to whom it may concern. <laughs> That's very strange. It's puzzling. It's very puzzling to go, I, I, loved, I love you, but I don't know you. I would posit to you that you would go to God more, with more frequency, with more fervor, and more faith, if you knew who you were talking to. I get prayers too, where it's like, dear diary, and it's informational, and it's like, it's just recounting the day, and that's okay. It's certainly better than nothing. But what he wants is you to know him. What he wants is you to know him. I'll have prayers where it's like star log, star date, 2417. The children have turned. <laughs> They've identified leadership. They're trying to tear our marriage apart. Send help. We'll report back tomorrow. And although that is funny, that's not what God wants. God doesn't want that. God wants a rich conversation, like a conversation you never want to end. You know, like you're having a conversation with somebody and you're just like, I could be here. 
I could be here forever. Because it's honest. I know who I'm talking to. I know what they care about. That's what he wants. And the Lord's Prayer does that. So let's read it together. It says, therefore, you should pray like this in Matthew 6. And if you feel compelled, you can read it out with me. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I learned six very profound things about my God in that short little verse. I love it so much. It's God as Father. Father, our Father. If you grew up in a home where your father was distracted or dismissive or worse, destructive, I'm so sorry. But I have hope for you. It's not who our God is. Our God is. The only way to appropriately think about our God, and I cannot exaggerate it, is that every single time his kid comes to him, he runs to you and embraces you because he's so excited. It's not, where have you been? It's, where have you been? I missed you. I'm so glad you're here. I just want to talk to you. I just want to spend time with you. That is the posture of our God. Every single time he's a father, he's a good, good father. He's the best father. He just wants to spend time with you. God is holy. May your name be kept holy. There's nothing like you. There is no earthly representation that would accurately articulate you. You are magnificent and remarkable. That's who God is. You're a king. You're going to get what you want. Jesus, I believe you are king. And I want your kingdom. See, where we get kind of messed up is people want kingdom, and they say it, but they don't want the king. We want, we want the king to have his way. And if you speak that in your prayers, you say, Jesus, I believe you're king. Have your way. Your word says this. Your word says this. Have your way. Your prayers will be different. When you experience anything that is not of kingdom in your life, in the day-to-day world, you go, no, Jesus, this is not of you. This isn't what you want. I beg you to do what you want here. I beg you to do what scripture says. What Jesus in print says is what will dictate what we pray. What Jesus in print says, this says who he is. This is exactly true. This is truth. This is Jesus in print. This is exactly what he intends to do. And he will get his way because he's king. God's father, God's holy, God's king, God's a provider. He says, give us each day our daily bread. Daily bread translated as our necessities, all of our needs. Do you believe God can give you your needs? Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I think my needs are too much. But as I reflect back on like the things that he's done, like goof, man, like I am, I'm overwhelmed by him as a provider. I don't deserve the things that he's given me. I have to tell this story because it's just too good. Three years ago, I was praying at a retreat with many of the men in this room and God gave me a vision of me holding a baby girl. And shortly after, he put this word twins on my heart over and over and over again. And I was like, dude, that's a lot. Dude, that's, I mean, that's good. I'm super into it. And so I started praying. I say I because Kayla won't let me say we. She didn't pray for this. 
started praying. After a year, we couldn't get pregnant. It was really, really tough. I thought, man, like, dude, you, you, you did this. You said this. I did. You said this. And then he did it. He did it. We got pregnant with twins. Twin girls? Like, what? Dude, what? Dude. Uh. <laughs> He's just so good. He wants good things. God's not mad at you. You must look at scripture to see who God is. Otherwise, you'll take your own stuff and project it onto God. I used to think that God was mad at me or God didn't like me. God likes you. He's a big fan of you. He created you uniquely. He thinks you're funny. He thinks you're smart. He thinks you're strong. He just wants you to know who he is. And when you know who he is, man, your conversation is just different. You're not talking to a stranger. You're not talking to this dictator, this mean, ambivalent, detached God. He is very personal. He just wants to talk to you as if you know who he is. As if you know who he is. He's a forgiver. There's nothing. God, forgive me my trespasses. I believe that you can forgive me. Oftentimes, um, another sub-reason sub we don't pray. You don't pray because you don't pray. You don't pray because you don't pray. It's like when you have a conversation, you're working with a friend, and like for some reason you guys stop talking for a while. Anybody have friendships like this where like you just haven't talked in a while? And you feel bad. Like you, there's a guilt and a shame that might exist, especially if you like see them at the coffee shops that you typically go to. You're like, oh man, like I haven't returned their text messages. Like I have 400 unread text messages. And there are so many people I need to talk to. But that's no reason why not to go to him. You, you feeling guilty and shame-filled is a you thing, not a him thing. He doesn't want you to feel bad for not going to him. He's open and ready anytime, even right now. Constant. He's ready. He wants to have a conversation with you. So we don't pray because we don't make space. We don't pray because we don't know what to pray. We don't pray because we don't know who we're praying to. And more importantly, we don't pray because we don't know what that person we're praying to thinks about us. We treat God like an acquaintance, like God didn't make you. Like, I just, I, it's so profound to me that he made me and he knows the things that I like and he laughs about the things that I like and he enjoys hearing about the things that I like. I like hearing when my kids come and say, I like this thing, and me going, dude, that's awesome. I love talking to my boys, and they find something new that they like. Like, they love Legos right now. I love, I know that they love Legos, and they still will come to me day over day, he's like, dad, I love Legos. You're like, cool, dude, sweet. It's not new information, I know them. I know them better than they know them. That's how God feels. He knows you. Here are some things that God thinks about you. That you've made, you were made complete in Christ. That you're a citizen of heaven. That you're his child. That you're righteous because of him. That you're chosen. That you're royalty. That you're forgiven and you're blameless. That you're free. You're not a slave to anything. God 
wants us to pray because he wants to give us the dignity of being causes. I want to stay here for just a second. It's important you hear this. There are too many examples in scripture to count of the, of the situations of which God is familiar, but he doesn't act on because his people did not pray. God gave us the dignity of being causes in that he wants us to bring that information to him and tell us what we think about it in accordance with his will. There's been many times in scripture where, where here, Moses, if Moses hadn't interceded for Israel in Sinai, in Exodus 32, he said, no, God, you said, this happens with my kids all the time. We're like, I'll say, hey, we're going to go hiking tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and I'm like, ah, it's kind of chilly. It's kind of, it's kind of cold. And my kids will come to me and say, no, you said, you said, and we're men of our word, dad. Remember you said that. We're men of our words, like, <laughs> we are, we are men of our word. We are men of our word. And I did tell you that, so we're going to do that. God loves when we take Jesus in print to him. You said, I didn't say, God, you said this. You gave me this dream. You gave me this vision. You gave me this truth. So please do this. Do this. Be this. Last one, we don't pray because we forget what prayer is for. The manner at which we pray, it is a how we live our life. And the maxim says this, to provide that which is clear, orderly, and kind, and in accordance with heaven, is something I tacked on to the end. The maxim says, the principle of manner, to provide that which is clear, orderly, kind, and in accordance with heaven. We pray in Jesus' name, with a kingdom direction, with his words, with humility, at all times. Those are, that's, how we, that's how we pray. And God says that. He says, remain in me, and if my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and I'll give it to you. What? Dude, what? Like that's, hold on. Remain in me, abide in me, and if my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and I'll give it to you. This is, this is what you should take away. A more simple way to put that is God is growing us into the type of people who should get everything that they want. That might mess with your theology a little bit. God wants to grow you into the type of person that gets whatever they want. Said another way. I can find it. I wrote it down. Jesus, help me. I can't find it. It's okay. Oh. Yeah. No. Okay, it's fine. It's all right. God wants us to be causes. I want to keep coming back to this because as you're thinking about the things that you speak to him, you are changing the atmosphere. You're changing the air. You're changing the world around you in accordance with his will. How we say your kingdom come is prayer. How we say your kingdom come in my marriage is prayer. How we say you heal this relationship, prayer. How we heal people, prayer. In Jesus' name, those things happen in Jesus' name. I wanted to give you and leave you with 10, 10 rapid fire rules for great conversation. You ready? These are all from scripture. You ready? I'm going to try to be as quick as I can because it's funny. As I was looking through this idea of being a good conversationalist, what does it mean to be a good conversationalist? I looked like, what, is, what does it mean to be a good conversationalist? And these are, these are examples from the internet that I think they stole from scripture. Ready? Number one. 
Be a great listener. James 1.19, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Number two, show respect. Psalms 145, Lord, you are great. You are really worthy of praise. No one can completely understand how great you are. Know about their life. Have you ever talked to somebody who like forgets the things that you tell them? That you tell them really important things about your life and they're like, hey, what's going on? You're like, I told you yesterday there's really big things happening. Did you already forget? Number three, know about their life. Do your research. It's Joshua 1.8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditating on it day and night. Number four, use their name. God is not God's name. Father would be more appropriate as a title. Abba, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. God loves hearing his names. I would encourage you to go and learn his names. Learn his names and learn what it means. So as you're talking to and needing provision, you say Jehovah Jireh. When you're talking to him and you need healing, you say Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. That's why he has so many names. He's not one thing, he's many things. Number five, good conversationalists ask good questions. Ask good questions. And all I wrote here was, um, why God in most Psalms is exactly what David, why God? Why God is a good question. Number six, be okay with silence. Psalms 46, be still and know that I am God. Number seven, maintain eye contact, remove distractions. Proverbs 4.25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Number eight, give honor and compliments. Psalm 100, give thanks to him and praise his holy name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Number nine, parrot or mirror. You say the things back to the person. That's good, right? Like when you're in a good conversation, you're saying something, you wanna know that you are being heard. It is a great luxury to be understood. God wants to be understood. He wants to know that you read this and then you go, okay, here's what I heard you say. You said this. Every human on the planet loves that. When they're talking to you and you say, here's what I'm hearing you say. That's called parroting or mirroring. They love it. They love it almost as much as they love hearing their own name. So parrot or mirror, Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And finally, number 10, talk about your mutual friends. How to have a great conversation with God or anybody, talk about your mutual friends. And here's what I wanna invite you into as we close. Jesus is our mutual friend with God the Father. So like when we say in Jesus' name, that's good. But like Jesus is the only reason that we get to pray at all. He's the only reason that we get to go and say, because of what your son did, I get to talk to you whenever I want. And I praise you for that. I thank you for that. Thank you so much for giving me this gift that I do not deserve in that you gave your son so that I might have a relationship with you. Prayers without having Jesus as your Lord and Savior might be heard, but they're not gonna be acted on. We pray in Jesus' name for a reason because that's what God intended. That's what God wanted. When we pray in Jesus' name is because we're talking about our mutual friend. We're talking about Jesus as our mutual friend. Hey God, your son said I could be here. 
your son said we could talk. It's no different than when I'm talking with a person that I don't really know and I go, hey, like, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Where do you work? Oh my gosh, you know this person? You do know this person? This is amazing. And you guys both freak out. Anybody had that moment? That's like every single time that you have a conversation with God. We have this mutual friend. Isn't this cool? This is great. Jesus said this, he says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the most important thing about our prayer life is that we know Jesus. We know what Jesus did. And it will change our conversation. My prayer for us today is that we are good conversationalists, that we have good conversations, that we desire to have better conversationalists by nature of quantity, that your frequency is higher, not out of obligation, not mathematics, like I'm gonna pray for 17 minutes today instead of 16 minutes today, no. Notice that, that that's wonderful, God is so wonderful in that, he, he could've, he could've in this wonderful, wonderful book, he could've said, I'd like for you to pray every day at nine, noon, and four. But he didn't. He said, I'm available. I'm here whenever you want. You come. You come. I'm going to educate real quick. Teachable moment. We have an altar team every single week. The whole, the whole reason that we do this is that you might hear God's word and you might be changed. Those aren't my words. That's not just a hope. It's what scripture says. As my word goes out, as my word goes forth, it will accomplish what it intended, the intended purpose. So we can hear that and go, when I hear scripture, when I hear God's word, when I learn something about him, you have a response. Either you respond in disobedience, you do nothing, or you respond and go, God, I want more of that. I want to understand that more. I want you to do that in my life. And so as you see us as Pinewood, we have a prayer team that comes up. They'll actually come up right now. Um, and I'll be down here too. We want to pray for you. We want to pray over you. We want to pray for you and with you so that God might work in you in these moments that you hear something true about him, that you yearn and you long and you desire more of these truths, not more of a person up here, but him, that you desire more of him because he is the goal. The goal in prayer is more of God. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back. <laughs>